you're going to wonder if this is going to be a one-year chapter or something if we keep going. But it's been good. At least I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate the participation and the comments. Chapter 25, dealing with the church, that which God has ordained, that institution, and we've been considering, as it were, what is involved and why God put it here, what its function is. We've considered what makes up the church with the first two paragraphs. We have the invisible church in the first one, that church that's known to God, known only to God at this time in glory, we'll know um, when, when the church has been completed and the Lord has returned. The visible church, those we can see, all right, that's paragraph two, those professing to be saved and their children. Then we have the functioning church in paragraph three. What's it all about? Why, why is there a church? Why did God set up this institution? And there is a message to be given. There is the evangelizing and the educating. There are the means through the word and the sacraments. And there is the necessary resources, the power to get it done. And that's by the presence of Christ and by the working of the Holy Spirit. Then we got to the fluctuating church in paragraph 4, and that's where we've been. And that's where we'll be again today. Uh, the fluctuating church, church being more or less visible and more or less pure. And we've been focusing on, or we've been discussing, considering, what causes that? What causes that? And we looked at several things, but the three that we have really focused in on, prayer, prayers are consciously, physically, mentally engaging. God in conversation, our talking to God concerning what's going on in our life, things that we are concerned about, things that we want to talk to God about. Then we have God's word, and that's where we consciously tune our ear to see what God's saying to us, right? That's where God talks to us. And he can talk to us through friends, through counselors, through a spouse. He can talk to us in other ways, but even there, their conversation, to the extent we're talking about, should be coming from God's word as well. Should be based upon God's word, right? God's word, our consciously desiring to know what God has to say to us. And then the third one was charity. The evidence, if I might put it this way, the evidence how the prayer in God's word is affecting our life. Love will be, in part, a manifestation of what's going on in your prayer life and in your considering of God's word, right? The 
first verse, and I think we've talked about this or mentioned it, of our memory passage. Oh, how love I thy law. Even our love for prayer and love for the word of God is going to be impacted by our doing it. Right? So, we've considered that. We've looked at 1 Corinthians 13, what it what love looks like, what it does, how it acts. Roman, uh, that was 1 Corinthians 13. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Relation to the law. Interesting, isn't it? That grace, a lot, a lot of the association of the time of grace and the, the, the work of grace, New Testament, that the, the greatest evidence of that, the greatest outworking, the greatest fruit of the Spirit is our fulfilling the moral law, right? Loving God and loving our neighbor. So that was in Romans 13, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, the expansiveness of love. That's where we considered loving our enemies, right? We talked about that last week. You might look at um, or jot down Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, that's the passage that's uh, familiar to you, the, the height, the breadth, the depth of love, right? The, and that's my, my point there, the expansiveness of love, just th that we might know something of just the, the magnitude of love and, and that that's what we're expressing, we're showing. We're understanding it, and then we're living it out. Then we went to 1 John, and you may want to go ahead and turn to 1 John. 1 John 1, verses 3 and 4, uh, we found out why John was writing that to us, and what love, in, in our focus here in this passage, love is um, going to do a couple of things for us. One, it's going to help us in our relationship with God, and it's gonna help us with our relationships with one another. So I'm, John's writing to us that, that if we get this idea of love, it's gonna uh, impact these relationships. And then the other purpose that he gave to us there in verse four is that we would be a joyful people, that we would enjoy and when you love and you experience it, you enjoy. You enjoy someone's company. You enjoy doing. You enjoy Christ. Remember what it said about Christ? Who for the what that was set before him? The joy. Christ sacrificed because it was joyful, because he loved, right? That's, that's what you want to feel. That's what I want to know, is the kind of love that makes us joyful. We, we, we get enjoyment out of giving of ourselves to help others, for the good of others. And we talked about it last week with uh, Putin. Yeah. The greatest act of love that
that you or I, I think, can do is giving a lost sinner the gospel, right? And sharing the word of God with one another, right? And so you, you, you start getting the idea and, and it impacts you. Makes you feel, in, in one sense, even when you, you get laughed at or scorned or rejected, you still can enjoy what you've done. Christ enjoyed it even though he was being put on a cross in his act of love. Giving himself, laying down his life. Because he loved us. Right. So in 1 John chapter 2, we saw in verses 5 and 6 the work of sanctification, that this love requires obedience. In verses 9 through 11, we saw how it impacts our, our vision, how we can see, or the negative was given, how it, the lack of love blinds us. All right? You can't see people the way you need to. You can't see God the way you need to. Right? You can't act toward one another the way you need to. So, making sure our vision, and of course, we've talked about this to how we see ourselves. You know, love, as it's working its way out, we, we've got to make sure that we're looking inward and that our heart is where it needs to be, that we can love as we ought. If we can't, it's a no-starter. No right? we're, in, we're in trouble from the get-go. And I think this is where we left off last week was in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 2 where it involves a choice. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we talked about the battle, the war. Right? Whether you love or not is a choice. Now, you can't make that choice at all if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Not the kind of love we're talking about here. All right? That's the first thing. But it's not automatic when we become Christians. We don't just all of a sudden turn into people who just love in a right way, in the Christian way that we do it. It's, there's a battle. There's a war. There is... A force, there is Satan and his minions who want you to still love the things you loved before you were saved. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And that war goes on every day. Vying for your love. What you want to give your attention to what you want to think about. That battle goes on every day in your life and mine. You know it. I know it. 
every day. It's why it's so important. You start the day, Lord, I need help. I'm fixing to engage in war, and I need help. Help me to love you. Help me to love others the way you would have me to do it. All right. Chapter 3, verse 10. And there are several things here in, in 10 through 18. So I think we'll just read the, 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 all the verses and then we'll go back and talk about them a little bit. In this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. There's your contrast. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, I'm not going to cover everything in these verses, but I just want to point out a few things. Going back to verse 10, love manifests itself. It's seen. In this, the children of God are manifest. All right? And the way you're going to be manifested is, in this passage dealing with, is by showing love. By showing love. This, they're manifest. There's also the opposite sides presented. Not only are you as a Christian manifest but if you're not a Christian, it's manifest as well. One's manifest by love, the other by the lack of it. So it needs to be seen. It needs, it needs to impact us. And it needs to impact those around us. They ought to understand. They ought to sense it. They ought to be the recipient of it. Right? It's seen, it's manifested. In verse 14, there's the assurance. We talked about that as one of the greatest means, one of the greatest evidences that you can consider as to your own salvation, your assurance of salvation, is whether you can love. If you can love the way we've been looking at it, if you can love the way 1 Corinthians presents it, you, you, you can't just say, no, I've never accepted Christ, but yes, I've done those things. 
But there's, when you're doubting, you know, take a look at how you're loving folks. How you're getting along with people. And there's a good means, a good tool for assurance. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We know. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. Perceive, we're, we're made aware of God's love. Right? That's the idea of perceive here. We're, we, we're made aware of it by the example that he gives us. Hereby perceive we the love of God. We understand, we, we get some clue, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Right? So, how do we perceive it? How do we understand God's love for us? We understand it by seeing what Christ did for us. God so loved the world, right? And how do we understand that? Well, we can see what he did. He gave his only begotten son to die for his people. So there's your example. Go and do likewise. What John's saying. You've got this example. Here we perceive it. We understand what this love's all about in part by simply seeing what God did. Laying down his life for us. So what's the requirement for us? Well, John says, so we, we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. And that's all John's saying. You've got the, you've got the supreme example. Follow it. That's what John's saying. If that's the way God expressed it, if that's how God made it known to us, surely then... That's what we need to do. We need to be Christ-like in being willing and able to love sacrificially. Doesn't mean you go out and lay down your life. We aren't called upon to do that. And laying down your life might save somebody's life physically. You know, you've seen or heard the, 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 the um, stories of men in war or even civilians. In, in this day and age, somebody steps in front of another and takes a bullet because they loved him. They cared about him. It's not always a, a, a family member. Right? It's the kind of bond that's created, and Mark could tell you some of this, it's the kind of bond that's created in the military one soldier for his fellow soldiers to the extent they'd take a they'd throw themselves on the grenade right it happens it has happened because they had this love now i wouldn't necessarily say that they had that love because they were christians 
but they're examples that we see and certainly the supreme example in Christ. Laying down our lives. And then verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Let's just not talk about it, all right? That's, that's what he's, it's pretty simple. Not, you know, let's just not talk about it. But indeed, and in truth, the idea of deed here is a toiling. It's, it's labor. It's, it's the kind of labor that you would put forth in connection with your occupation. We've got a job to do. And we will give ourselves 100% to fulfilling our job, to carrying out what we're obligated to do. And we're obligated to love. It's not a choice. It's a choice that we make. But our failure to do it is not okay. All right? Don't just talk about it. Work at it. Make it happen. That's what his idea here. And in truth, the idea of truth here is it's not concealed. Again. Same thing we've been saying. It's seen. It's not just talked about. It's worked out. People know that you mean what you're saying. What if you had John 3.16 but Christ had never come and died? Well, we know that God is love and it, but if it was never carried out, if God said he loved us and said he was going to redeem us, but he never carried it out, what would you think about his love? If I tell you I'm going to do something and I keep doing it over and over, but I never do it, for long you're going to just say, hmm, right, okay, I'm not going to try to take that check to the bank. Uh, it doesn't happen. And that's what John's saying here. You know, love's one of those things that everybody loves to talk about. It's easy to talk about. But it's awfully hard to do a lot of times. Even for the people you know that love you. You know, just how hard it is in those relationships, well, how much harder in the relationships where they reject you, they hate you, they don't want to hear about it, they don't want to hear anything from you, they make fun of you. We're still to love them in deed and in truth. In chapter 3, verse 23, the commandment, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. All right? Got to believe to be saved. We know that. But then he keeps going. 
that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment, commanded by God. It's not an option. It's a commandment. Failure to do it is sin. Sin is any want of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. When we don't love, we aren't conformed to God's law. Pretty simple. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. The source of love is God. See that in verse 8. See it again in 9. Well, but verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And you've got it in verse 7. For love is of God. Right? So there's our source of love. There's our source. Comes to us as a benefit of what Christ did for us in dying on the cross. That's one of the things he purchased. That ability now to do those righteous acts. That ability that we lost when Adam fell. When Adam on your behalf and my behalf sinned, then our heart was bent toward evil continually. Christ died, you can love again in a Christian, in a Christ-like way. Because now that love is accessible to you by the help of the Spirit. And knowing how that love is to look and act, what we've been talking about. So we have the source of love and we have the substance of love in verses 9 and 10. Just what we were just talking about, that sacrificial giving of ourselves for one another. The source and substance of love. And then in chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And you see how what he said in chapter 1 concerning the relationships, the fellowship, the communion. You can see how it plays out over and over in what he has to say here. But in these verses, we have the effects of love. Verse 16, we have communion. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. Right? If you don't dwell in love, you aren't going to have sweet communion with God. That's the other side of what he's just said. You have in verse 17 confidence. Confidence that, and again, it's where our assurance comes in. Here's our love made perfect, complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is whether you accepted Christ. And again. Love ministers to your heart that, yes, I'm a child of God. When it is time for me to stand, I am confident that my name's written in the book of life. I'm confident that I will be in heaven. I have this confidence, this assurance. Then we have... The lack of fear in verse 18, there's no fear in love. No fear in love. And that's where, again, fear, fear, a lot of, lot of ways, but I think probably if you're like me, one of the greatest fears is, is walking up to somebody and sharing the gospel, isn't it? Isn't that one of the hardest things to do? Because we're, we're afraid. We're afraid of how they're going to react. We're afraid of what they're going to say. Right? And that's where it takes the love of Christ. I don't care what they're going to say. I don't care what they're going to do. We read the stories, those who gave their lives going to mission fields. You, th you think they were scared? I think they were. So what got them past being afraid? Their love for the souls of those people. They wanted to give them the gospel. Right? I suspect it's a little daunting to go downtown and stand on the street and preach. You know, what are they going to do? They're going to spit on me? Somebody going to come up and punch my lights out? 
You know, they do it for no reason at all in a lot of cities, much less if you're preaching the gospel and telling them they're sinners on their way to hell. So, but sharing it with the neighbor. You know, it, it may be more, we may be more fearful because those people downtown are, you, you probably don't know many of them. But you live beside your neighbor every day, don't you? Maybe they know you. Maybe it gets hard. So love gets us past that. Doesn't take it all away. Doesn't mean you're never going to be afraid. Just means that love will compel you in spite of your being afraid. It will compel you to get past your fear and do your job. Again, it's part of our occupation, part of our doing that deed, showing indeed part of our job. Not easy. All right, and, and there, there are probably some other verses in John, in First John, a few others. We've covered most of them. What I want to do for the rest of the time is look at the flip side. What about hate? All right, we talked about it some last week. But what about hate? The other, other side of this, we're just going to touch on it generally. Some things we mentioned last week. Old Testament the hate was primarily an enemy of God that was an enemy of God's people, right? That's when you saw the, the term hate, usually in conjunction with those that are sworn, as it were, enemies of God. It's, easy, it's easier, I think, for us to have some understanding if I said we, we, are, we, we hate Satan. Yeah, okay. Why? Because Satan's end is to displace God in your life and mine. And to displace your benefits, the joy of your salvation, your walk with the Lord, your desire to pray. All right, that's Satan. When you don't want to pray, that's Satan, right? Trying to mitigate, to do away, to at least dampen the benefits. You make you lose the benefits that Christ purchased for you on Calvary. All right? It's that battle that's going on. New Testament is more a detest. Um, it's to love less, which suggests that Christian love is an, is an all-in thing, right? And any, if you diminish it, you're loving less. And in one sense, you're hating. If you aren't fully loving to some degree, you're hating. 
Because love is not a partial thing. Oh, it is in our living it out, isn't it? And again, we can see that even in Christ giving his life for us. Generally, we hate sin, that which separates us from God, that which is wrong toward our neighbor. We hate sin. We hate that which wrongfully impacts what we are to believe concerning God. Right? Does it, do you feel a degree of lack of love for those who would portray God as a God of love that will, at the end, let everybody into heaven? Does that bother you? That, that God's made less than what you know him to be? That he's really not a just God? He's not going to judge sin? Or he's just going to let everybody, whether they accept Christ or not, He's going to force the work of Christ upon No. We hate that which bothers us. That was, that was in the Old Testament. Wasn't that always the big thing? I don't want you commingling with these people. Why? Because they're going to change your mind about what you think of me. Right. God is a jealous God. There's no room for any other gods. Right? No room. First commandment. No room for any other gods. And that's what you saw in all the, the nations. They'd come in and there would be some influence and you'd see it especially in the worship and the polluting of the worship, the total corruption of the worship. And we hate that that causes us to sin. We hate sin and we hate what causes us to sin. So that may be, as we, in our memory passage, we, we hate, we don't want to be with those who are going to be Tempting, hey, come on and let's go do this. Try it, you'll like it. You know, little drink, little drugs, a little whatever. Even otherwise good things. Hey, why don't you go fishing with me this weekend? Let's go hunting. Where are you going? Well, we'll go Saturday and Sunday. Well, nothing wrong with hunting or fishing. Enjoyable. Playing golf. Playing whatever. Recreation. Okay? That's the idea. That what you, your friends. You're good people. You enjoy being around them. They just don't maybe have the same understanding, the same appreciation for the Lord's Day or whatever. 
right? The music, whatever it may be. There is that attitude. Things God hates in Psalms 5, 5, he hates workers of iniquity. Psalm 45, 7, he hates wickedness. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, he hates a proud look. He hates a lying tongue. He hates one who sheds innocent blood. He hates a heart given to wickedness. He hates feet that are given to carrying out evil. He hates false witnesses. And he hates one who sows discord among his brethren. That, you look at these things and you say, but wait a minute, that, that's, that's not nearly as bad as he's... God hates it. And he put it right in, just as he does with things in the New Testament when we read. These are wrong. These are things, and boom. And a lot of times that which affects the unity of the brethren is right in there. Right? Malachi 2.16, he hates divorce. Things that we should hate, Psalm 97.10, evil. Psalm 101, 3 and 4, the things that evil persons give themselves to. Psalm 119, 104, every false way. That's part of our memory passage. 113, a double-minded uh, person, uh, somebody that's divided between their heart and mind. They're Every false way, lying, the false ways 128, lying 119, 163. Psalm 139, 21 and 22, we hate those that hate God. Right? And you may find other passages as well. I mentioned to you, if God hates it, it's all right for you to hate it. You can be sure of that. And then these other things, well, anything that we hate, that scripture talks about us hating, God hates. So it fits right in. But we can find it much easier to hate than to love. And I would caution you, don't work on knowing what it is I can hate so much as knowing what it is you need to love and making sure that love is working its way out in your life because if it is, what you hate will be a byproduct of that love. What infringes, what hurts your ability to love is what you're going to wind up hating. And that's, again, our memory passage is full of that. So we'll, uh, we'll move on. I do have two or three more things that cause the church to be more or less visible, and we'll hit those, and then we'll move to the next paragraph, Lord willing, next week. Prayer, the Word of God, and love. Prayer, 
the Word of God, and love. Make sure, and I'm talking to myself right now, I'm not talking to, talking to y'all as well, but I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me full bore. Don't let prayer slide. Don't let having God's word guide you slide and work at loving every day. All three of them every day. You won't accomplish any of them without all three of them. Because they work hand in hand. If you love God, you'll pray and you'll read his word. If you love your fellow man, it'll be because you love God and you pray and you read his word. And knowing how. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Then we'll be done. Lord, again, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. Lord, it's kind of hard on us sometimes. Our old nature kind of bends our, bows our back. And just, just some of these things are just too hard. But, Lord, you've not asked us to do anything that you don't, by your grace and mercy, help us by your word, by the spirit, using the word. So Lord, help us to be those that pray, those that love your word, and those that love you and love one another. Bless us in this day. Bless especially in our worship. Lord, prepare our hearts. Make us still and quiet before you that we might hear from you. And we'll thank you for it, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.